filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. start the show tonight with some good news like unabashedly good news and that is that the supporters end the north end of audi field uh is now officially the chico stand and it's been unofficially the chico stand since before the stadium was even built it's there was a petition back in 2015 that we covered on black and red united and that we all came out in favor of because it was obviously the correct thing to do to name the stand after Chico Salades, who was the glue that made DC United supporters culture what it was in the early days. Um, He passed on, I think, in 2012, and uh, everyone paid tribute to him, every single supporters group, all three of them at the time, paid tribute to him. He was uh, universally beloved in a way that uh, very, very few people in the world are. And everyone who ever met him had nothing but great things to say about him. And everyone's been calling it the Chico stand. There's a flag that flies there every single game as a picture of Chico holding a beer with the words Chico stand. And now it's official. DC United met with supporters, representatives, and they all said, we all want this. We all agree about this one thing. We don't agree about much, but this one thing we agree about. And the team said, all right, we're in. And so the Chico stand is officially a thing. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's the it's the right move. Uh, I'm glad it happened. I, I feel like it could have happened sooner. Um, but you've got supporters group in inner working politics that we're not even privy to um, that slow things down. You've also got to get the club on board. And, you know, in some cases that took getting someone at the club to listen, not in the current. Obviously, the current folks did the thing. So they're listening. But there were times in the past where that was an issue. Um, and I'm glad to see this sort of progress being made. Glad to see that you can get everyone to come together and agree to things like this um, and not have it turn into, you know, a proxy battle over other things, because I'm sure there are going to be other disagreements between the supporter groups uh, among each other. And then also between them and the team. Uh, but it's still, uh, I think, the the exact right thing to do uh, for this club in particular, for sure. Yeah, it's in soccer, you know, we soccer is about history in so many ways. You know, so many borderline ancient teams that are followed globally. And in MLS, we don't we obviously don't have that level of history. And D.C. United has more history than almost any american team maybe i don't even need the word almost there but a lot of that history is in the stands and mm-hmm. we 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 saw the team honor big rob uh who who died earlier this year we and it's good to see the team embracing not just the history on the field but the history of the people around the field who really are the heart and soul of yeah. this community 
and um, the people that aren't going to leave just because the team is bad for a year or two or, yes. or several. Um, the people who are like, <laughs> yeah, I know they won three games last year, and here I am again, and it's you know it's March, uh, you know fifteenth, and it's raining and it's forty degrees. I'm here. Let's let's do this thing. I'm here with my friends. We're gonna try our best. We're gonna yell. Um, that has a tremendous value that around the league doesn't necessarily get uh its due um there are plenty of places where the the way teams look at fans is still like well they bought a ticket um and that's that's the thing that matters is like you bought the ticket so therefore you get customer service you get that sort of thing and it's treated like like i'm going to giant after we record this it's treated like me at the customer service desk at giant uh, I don't think Giant cares about me one way or another. Uh, DC United should care and is showing now that they are starting to care more and more for the folks that are uh, giving it everything they've got on game day too. They're not just, well, I'm here. And that's that's the end of their involvement. Like when I go to Giant later, I'm not going to be doing pro-Giant chants. Um, I might have a friendly chat with uh, whoever's working the cash register, but that'll be the extent of it. I'm not going to be uh, bringing a two pole uh, in favor of uh, giant brands, apple cider donuts or whatever. Um, if you want to know what I'm going to go buy, it's that's one of the things I'm probably going to get. You're not um, going to do a. You're not going to have a mock up of the life the the driver's license of the store manager. Right, right. Um, and, or or uh, do chants about how I don't like Safeway or anything like that. Um, <laughs> and there's a, there's it's important that the relationships are different. Uh, fans should not be treated as if they are. Uh, consumers going to a brand. Uh, this it is a different thing, and it's nice to see this kind of thing acknowledged where this is not the, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a brand name, you know, the uh, the Weiss stand to continue talking about grocery stores. Um, <laughs> it's good that it's not named for a grocery chain. It's named for an actual human being who cared about the team. That matters. Yes, and I, I think DC United in every club in MLS has still has a ways to go on this particular front, but this is a fantastic move in the right direction. And uh, I wanted to shout my appreciation from the rooftops because it's a fantastic move. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Pro Chico Stand podcast. I am Adam Taylor. He is Jason Anderson. Ben Bromley uh, has the evening off, but uh, the three of us are all from blackandredunited.com where we talk about DC United and uh, other soccer in the the nation's capital uh this podcast however is just about always just dc united these days and that's what we've got tonight we have a three nothing win over the chicago fire to talk about we're going to get through that pretty quickly because we're recording this pretty late on thursday night and uh i need sleep i really really need some sleep uh but uh before we we get out of here we will have j sam jones from Dirty South Soccer and MLSsoccer.com on to help us preview this weekend's game against Atlanta United. That'll happen uh, down south uh, Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Watch it on Univision, Tuda Ene, and Twitter if you're online. Um, I'm still not used to Twitter uh, being an outlet, but it is. If you go to Twitter, you can stream the game there. Uh, we will, and it'll be in we English, will find the so. link and put it in our preview as well. So if you're, if you, cause it will be difficult to find um, in my experience, the Twitter links for when the Twitter broadcast happens is hard to find, but we will find it. We will have a link for it in the preview. If you can't find it on Twitter, go to the preview, click the hyperlink that says Twitter. It will take you to the game. Yeah. 
uh yeah that's the best way to go i was going to come up i was going to say some other things but i'm not gonna because that's going to be the easiest thing is just go to blackandreadunited.com and click the preview right it's it's the one and only time this year where we have to do this because all yeah the this is the, the only national been... yeah exactly this is the one time this year uh at least in the regular season you know knock wood the dc united is on national tv so uh take advantage of it watch it on twitter <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, before we get to anything else about the games, Jason, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I was going to go get beer, but the national, the women's national team game that I was also covering came up too quick. I did not have time to have dinner and go get beer, so I chose dinner. So I don't have any beer. So this is I how I know drinking... you've grown up. Right, right. I chose dinner instead of the beer. Uh, the the twenty yeah. five year old would definitely be like, "Well, you're gonna have beer, so like dinner is just gonna be beer." Um, no, I, I've got a little. Um, uh madre de mi tierra uh añejo tequila on the rocks um it's again this is the one that replaced uh my beloved technico rudo uh luchador themed tequila that uh used to be at total wine they stopped carrying it i'm very mad at them for doing so because it was spectacular for a very low price this one's you know good for a low price it's just not nearly the same thing also not as fun like the one is literally like a luchador bottle cap like that's fun or a a top a bottle cap that's not did, what comes on tequila but yeah. you know what i'm saying topper yeah did you yeah. uh did you keep those did you collect those like at the blanton's horse no because i th- i thought it would be forever uh i thought that they would be available i mean they're also like one of the things to make the price low is they're not spending a lot on you know the bottle and things like that so it's it's just a little like plastic to look like it's carved wood uh luchador mask um one is red one is blue uh but yeah, I, I can't find them anymore, and it makes me upset because it was like the the cheat code for tequila uh, was like spending thirty dollars on a bottle of that and getting like a ninety dollar uh, flavor out of it. Anyway, this one's fine. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am trying to manifest fall. I'm tired of. I mean, partly because my air conditioning in my house needs some attention right now that I'm waiting to give it. So I'm trying to manifest fall here. Um, no more 90 degree days. And so uh, in that vein, I uh, we got some apple cider at the farmer's market this week. So I got some apple cider, got some rye whiskey, got some apple jack, some uh, barrel aged okay. bitters, yeah. mixed it up in a glass with some ice, making my little early I, fall beverage. I, I appreciate the step to throw some apple jack in there, um, which is a liquor that I often forget exists. And then later I was like, you know, apple jack would have been great uh, in there. And I just again didn't remember it until i'm not drinking it yeah so i threw everything in and then i was like you know what i I should put some cinnamon in this and i swirled up and i take a sip and i was like no this doesn't need it this is good as it is it's gonna do cinnamon and i think the barrel aged bitters and the apple jack together with the everything else and it's you know it's the rye is district made uh rye whiskey from one eight distilling here in in the city and uh it's pretty high proof so it I think it all balanced out really nicely. I was I was really happy for just like splashing things in a, um, yeah. literally a mason jar uh, <laughs> just to keep the... the I want to confirm, like... Adam just showed me the mason jar. I, I did see it. It's there. <laughs> um, so playoff teams take care of business against bad teams at home down the stretch. And that's exactly what DC United did on Wednesday night, seeing off the Chicago Fire three to nothing on the back of a first half hat trick from MLS player of the week, Ola Kamara, who used those three goals to move into the lead 
in the golden boot race. Um, we, we would be remiss if we didn't start this segment talking about Ola Kamara. Uh, what, what can you say? Are people done sleeping on him both within this fan base and outside of it? Uh, probably I not. Should note, before, <laughs> before you answer, I should note we have not been sleeping on him on this podcast. We've been saying he's going to do well this year and he certainly has. Yeah. Uh, no, pro- probably there will still be uh, some degree of sleeping unless he, from this point on, remains the golden boot leader for the rest of the year. Um, it, it will take that. He will have to be in the lead to get the attention. Um, as as the folks at Extra Time, uh, you know, a self-mocking tweet uh, where they showed themselves, uh, they, they posted a meme in which they're sort of pushing Rui Diaz aside uh, for, for uh, Pepe. And coming from the deep uh, is Ola Kamara, which, uh, yeah, that is kind of how it's gone. Um, but that's that's life uh, for DC fans. We know the drill at this point that um, until this team is back in real prominence, which is going to take more than one playoff win this year and then probably also doing it next year before it finally starts to sink in with people, um, that is going to be how it's going to be. So you're, you're going to be uh, – reading uh national opinion pieces about mls that are maybe not talking about dc as much as they should be um and that's just a small market big market kind of thing if you've been bad for a long time people tend to not trust that that's where it's going and you know kamara's definitely gonna suffer from that but you can't fault the guy for uh just going out there and plugging away and scoring goals because uh he's now you know I, i asked him after the game because this was he had to take two penalties in this game um, and I asked him after the game, you know, taking one penalty is one thing. You're obviously, you're putting those away uh, pretty often this year. Um, how do you factor in taking a second penalty once the goalkeeper's gotten a good look at you? And he was very quick to point out, he's like, well, um, I also took a penalty against Shuttleworth in the last Chicago game. So he's seen me a bunch this year. Um, <laughs> he didn't want to give away too much more than that, just to say that, but just to indicate, you know, that uh, this, this you know, the form that he's in, the confidence that he has right now, um, he is really feeling it. He, he's, uh, it, it's all working for him, and he's making the right runs. Um, Bill Hamid pointed out uh, how, because the, the quickness that they broke forward on that third goal uh, by catching Chicago asleep, taking a goal kick quickly, and, and moving the ball up quickly, it actually meant that, like, Kamara didn't have time to make that first run into the area and then have to like check back and do a second run when the play reset and came to the right side after Ariola hit the crossbar. Um, our Kamara was basically just getting up field the whole time to make his initial run. It just happened that it was after the play had already happened uh, because they had caught, you know, they kind of suckered Chicago in. He was part of that buildup, uh, yeah. which is nice. Um, sprung Ariola. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, that's the way things are going for Kamara right now. It's, it's, Everything's coming together nicely. He's ahead of the play. He's thinking faster than defenders. Um, he won one of these penalty kicks, again, yep. by just thinking faster, making his run earlier than uh, Carlos Teron really realized that the run was coming. Um, not really sure how um, that didn't become more of a uh, an issue refereeing-wise since, uh, you know, Teron just reached out and grabbed him from behind yeah. when the ball was coming to him. You could argue uh, for Dogso in that situation. And in fact, it took a long time for the yellow to come. 
It did. Um, which was kind of funny to track in the press box. I was like, is he just not going to like acknowledge that side of this at all? And that it, whole it, game, Gant- it was weird. Gantar, the official, seemed to be like kind of feel bad for Chicago a little bit. Like there was uh, Robert Barrich dove in the box yeah. to try to draw a penalty and did not like Gantar called the dive. He said he, he called a free kick for DC United there. Did not give Barrett a yellow card. He's like, yeah, I would have dove too. Get out of here. Yeah, just, he, just like, on, that's buddy. supposed to be a yellow. Yeah. Every time it's supposed to be yellow and it wasn't. There were a couple of those where um there was a an obvious yellow card tackle uh on I think Jimenez had mm-hmm. and he was already on a yellow and he just got a talking to and the seriously dude calmed down. Yeah. Like Gantar did not want to give well, a red card or or in this game and he didn't, I guess. He he achieved that goal. Um it was just very weird to see him kind of like try to not pile yeah. on. <laughs> I will say we got we got the uh the fun youth soccer thing of when you see a player who has a yellow card and is kind of spinning out. Um the the sub comes soon after that and that's Jimenez wasn't on the field for very much longer after that because I yeah. think they were like I think he's in trouble and even if he commits a like a normal foul instead of a um angry foul next time that's going to be it for him. So let's get him out, let's get him out of yeah. the game here. Um but yeah, um it, one thing that's really striking for me with Kamara is that um, this is happening without even like the wing backs are pretty settled with Gressel and Paredes most of the time. Um, but Kamara hasn't, I mean, almost no one has played with Ariola and Flores on the field at the same time because they barely played on the field at the same time. Um, that was one of the surprises from this game was that Flores was back from international duty, but didn't get the nod. Uh, Reina got that nod instead. Um, so there's that unsettled aspect up front. The the pieces change quite a bit, um, and yet Kamara's still he's built Scoring a relationship a with sixty four minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, and he's building a relationship with everybody. It's not just you know famously with Atlanta, Gressel and and Joseph Martinez had such a connection. And yes, you know, this is a game where Gressel got an assist, uh, the only assist actually um, in the right. game in the end because the penalties, um, but. The important thing here is that these other chances, um, you know, the pe- the first penalty is his relationship with uh, Reyna. Um, mm-hmm. The as the game went on, you know, the connection he has with Paredes, the connection he had. I mean, especially off the field, um, uh, Paredes uh, uh, put on Instagram today. He called him Papa Kamara, um, which is <laughs> just in general, everyone's having like a fantastic time being on DC United right now. Um, which yeah, came did you see the video sure. that Claudia Pagan, who hosts the team videos, is the sideline reporter for the team? Uh, she posted a video or shared, I think, Jordy Reyna's Instagram post. Uh, yeah, where the players the are game, dancing, where they're all dancing to yes. to reggaeton. Specifically, the players dancing are two of the not Latinos on the yes. team. It was Russell Canals and Bill Hamid. Everyone's dancing. having a spectacular time. Um, yeah, which is a big part of this too. Um, you know, it's not just tactics. Like this is a group of play- players that last year might've been like, I don't know if I just like, it's not even that I dislike you guys. It's just that like, this went so badly this past year that I feel like we all could benefit from being somewhere else. Um, it's one of those situations where that could have been the case. And instead the group has been built up in such a way that everyone is having a spectacular time. The newcomers are, you know, they're providing competition, but they're also part of the group. You know, no one's, 
Abila coming into these games, no one's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a Ola guy only. I don't like this new guy because he's also a striker. It's like, no, no, it's good that he's here because now he's pushing Kamara. Uh, Kamara knows that he's not just at training being the only out and out striker. Uh, he's going to get these minutes because of course he is. Um, that pressure is there, but it's not in a bad way. It's it's like, this is how a team is supposed to work. That healthy competition, that healthy tension within the group uh, is really coming through, not just for Kamara. It's obviously coming for, for Kamara. I mean, the guy's got 16. He just passed a thousand minutes in this game. He hasn't, he hadn't played a thousand minutes yet and he already has uh, 16, 16 goals. 16 goals, wow. Um, and it's rarefied air too. Like, uh the the roadblocks ahead of him in terms of DC's scoring history for one player are Luciano Emilio and uh, Raul Diaz Arce, and that's it. That's the whole. That's everyone that's ahead of him is two of the best seasons that MLS has seen out of a, a forward. And yeah, Emilio got the MVP when he won the Golden yeah. Boot with twenty goals. And and, and we're ten. There's ten games left in the season. Uh, those are not impossible things to beat. He. If he stays healthy, he probably will beat Emilio's total. Uh, he scored 20 goals a, in the regular season that year. Kamara's on 16 with 10 to go. You would bank on him the way he's playing right now, the way that the team is carving out chances as well. He's going to get above that if he stays healthy and the team doesn't have some sort of unfathomable collapse that wouldn't make any sense based on what we've seen. Um, and if you look at the rate of goal scoring per minute, he does have uh, a shot at passing Diaz Arce. And we're talking about something that happened in 1996. We haven't had it happen since then. Uh, some of you people listening to this were literally not alive when the last time this happened. Um, it's been that long. So uh, it's special. I feel like everyone should be having a great time watching uh, watching this guy score some goals because that's it sounds so basic, but it's like, when when do we have we had anything like this? It just hasn't happened. I, I'm certainly enjoying it, but I do have a question. Hernan Losada mentioned uh, in the post-game conference that this team is kind of relying almost too much on Ola. The next leading scorer is Jordi Reyna with four goals, uh, which is a big gap from yes. from 16. And it seems like the one of the the missing pieces on this team is a reliable secondary goal scorer. If we get that, then you know, sky's the limit. Yeah. But like if, if that's Flores or Reyna or Ariola, whoever maybe Abila comes back or Abila yeah. uh, on another uh, night, Abila probably should have had a goal uh, in the second half of this and game. an assist. It it looked like he was trying to do a repeat of the Philly goal several times, where uh -huh. he was trying to fake pass that one last man to make an even better shot. Um, right. When there was at least one chance where it was like, man, you just got to hit this uh, from the Ranger at. Like I know you want to fake one more guy, but you can leave this one out and just go for goal, but he yeah, went for the fake. Uh, out there to embarrass guys. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to have a good time. It just, you know, unfortunately you do have to score to have the, the good time you envisioned it had the ball yeah. does have to go in up three, nothing. I'm okay. Trying to steal some souls. Yeah, sure. But you know, in a different context, context matters, right? But uh, this team is relying on uh, Kamara a lot. Uh, they, they got two penalties for the first two goals in this one uh it was rick from uh our site who pointed out that through the first half chicago actually led the expected goals battle they had uh they both went through um shoot i'm blanking on his name we talked about him in the last episode as their biggest goal scoring threat Berich. uh no not barrett the midfielder oh stoyanovich 
Stojanovic, thank you. Uh, he missed a point blank shot, yeah. uh, put it on the wrong side of the post. I actually didn't think that should have even been a shot because he pretty clearly fouled Andy Nahar, I thought, in the build up to that to get himself wide open for that. But it doesn't matter. And then he forced a, a the one really big goal saving save from from Bill Hamid later in the half. And that was enough to give them the advantage on expected goals, even with two penalties. Uh, but DC United eventually got there. Well, were you I, worried I, I, at all for a correction? I don't think okay. that that is accurate. Um, with the penalties, DC was well oh. ahead of Chicago. Okay, so yeah, non penalty. That's yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So so non penalty expected goals. Right. Does that worry you at all? Because Chicago's not a certainly not a strong team at this point. Look, I, I don't want to say that this was like a spectacular performance. The the win over the Union, even though it was actually closer on the scoreboard, was a far more, uh, bet, a far better performance in my in my book. Um, but I will say that as much as it was like, well, DC is not creating a ton of chances except for those penalties. You can't say except for those penalties because if you look at those penalties, it wasn't like an accident happened. It wasn't like. Um, you know, Jonathan Bornstein picked the ball up with his hands and said, what am I doing? Uh, it wasn't anything like that. It was DC putting Chicago defenders in extremely difficult positions and getting clearly fouled. Um, these were not dicey calls. These were not, oh, it's kind of lucky that Gantar pointed to the spot. These were very obvious penalty kicks. Um, and in a game like this, DC, everyone, all of the, the people we got to talk to after the game pointed this out. Um, they knew Chicago was going to push their line high. So they knew that there would be space in behind. Um, and they looked for that. They were looking for that specific kind of thing where they're getting in behind um, and getting higher leverage opportunities. So they weren't necessarily out there trying to take 25 shots in this game. Uh, they knew that Chicago would give them the big moments. It, it, they didn't have to pile it up and hopefully one of them happens to strike the difficult shot correctly. Um, this was a, they're going to give us something big because they're going to take risks. They're going to hand us something where it's a huge chance. Um, and whether that is winning penalty kicks, which guess what? Winning penalty kicks means you're doing a good job. Um, it's not bad. If you take a bunch of penalty kicks, it means that you're constantly putting the other team under pressure. You're constantly making them have to take these high risk tackles. And, and, you know, or if you're, Tehran just straight up grabbing somebody and pushing them to the ground. <laughs> um, but you're, you're putting them, he's, he's having to chase Kamara in that moment. This is the whole thing. He's, he's chasing someone who's in alone behind the defense with the ball coming to him. Um, that is, that's good attacking play. So it's not the same and it's not as good, I think, as the union uh, game, certainly, but I think it still was a, pretty good overall performance. I think there's a reason the team was happy and it wasn't just that they won. It was that they knew that they outplayed Chicago by quite a bit. Um, Hamid had to make the one big save and Stoyanovich did have the one miss, um, which are, you know, they're not, they're not, it's not nothing. You can't pretend that those things just didn't happen. Um, but this game was not, you can't say that those two chances are two goals for Chicago. Because if you want to play that game, then we can say, okay, then Avila comes out with two and DC probably scores a couple more. And this is like, it becomes like seven to seven to two or whatever. Um, so, you know, overall, I think it was a, a performance to feel good about. I would stop sort of saying feeling great about, um, but it was, you know, it was what you should do when you're playing Chicago. You, you don't let them have much of the game. You get out in front early because they are shaky uh, from a mentality perspective. You make them 
you, you don't let them build any sort of like, oh, we're in this thing. Um, you want to punish them early. DC was all over them early. They got the goal. Um, Losada actually, after the game, said that in the second half, one minor quibble he had was that um, he felt almost like the team was trying to manage the game a little too much. He wanted them to go get the fourth, which is the, just the most Losada thing to say in yes. that situation. Um, because some of that is just like coach speak. Um, like you're very glad as a coach to come out of that game with a three, nothing lead and manage it in a way where Chicago doesn't do anything, uh, after halftime. And they really didn't do very much of anything after halftime. Um, but you also can't tell your players like, yeah, it's fine to just settle. Especially if you spent the whole year telling them, don't settle, don't settle, don't settle. Vamos por mas. Right. You have to then throw that in so that they hear that and they get that reinforcement of like, let's still go for four though. Um, and they were going for four, uh, just not with maybe the conviction, but you know, it's Wednesday in a three games in seven days stretch. You can kind of forgive, uh, DC for making some moves based on the Atlanta game. They made halftime subs, I presume based on that, uh, entirely. Um, when you're up three, nothing at halftime, you you can do that. That's a luxury that you've earned. And you should is the other thing you should not burn. Like I mentioned last on the last episode that. Peter Vermes against Chicago had a two nothing lead and he held his subs until very late in the game. I think he only used two in the end in a game. They led two nothing. And that was settled like the last 15 minutes of that game. Nothing happened. Make the subs like rest your guys. You, you, if you're Kansas city, you're near the top of the West. You're going for something. DC is maybe not that high in the standings, but they are going for something. There is a long-term goal here and all of these minutes do stack up. And we've seen teams in MLS, including Kansas City, maybe infamously Kansas City, burn out from overuse by not being willing to be like, let's let's go for some rotation here. The game's in hand. Um, I can trust my guys to manage a three nothing lead at home. You know, you've, the combination of those things, both overuse and the psychology of telling your players, yeah, I, I think you're good enough to not screw this thing up. Um, it adds up. And so Losada did have the luxury of Julian Gressel only played 56 minutes. Uh, Kevin Paredes only played the first half. Pines only played the first half, which I assume is just him coming back from injury. Um, There's probably a number of minutes they don't want him going over. So it's one of those like, let's, you know, the game's in hand. We don't have to keep him in. We pushed him to 90. He's also on a yellow card, a very soft yellow card, but a yellow card. And and they pushed him to 90 on the weekend as well. I don't think that that was the plan. I think that that happened because of the way the game was going. Um, and so this was a chance to sort of get some of those minutes back, so to speak, and say, well, we don't have to push him in this game. Um, you know, Abila comes in for Kamara. Kamara gets his uh, curtain call, uh, which is also nice to give when you got a guy on a hat trick. So it turns out there's a whole lot of good that comes from taking a 3 nothing lead. It's not just that you win the game and that everyone has a great time because you won by three goals. You also get to be prepared for Atlanta. Um, you, you get to rest some guys that maybe need it. Um, this is not a small thing. This is a pretty big deal. As uh, you'll hear in our second segment, what happens when you rotate against Atlanta these days is not very good, um, it turns out. So um, it's nice that DC got that chance to, you know, I I don't think Losada would ever admit to thinking about the next game while in the middle of a current game, Um, but he did get to make some decisions with both games in mind. And that's not a bad thing. That's, that's a nice place to be in. It's nice to be able to do that instead of having to like, we have to pour it all into this game to get this thing over the line, uh, because eventually you will pay the price on that. 
yeah, this game set up just about perfectly to lead into the the game on the weekend between the confidence you get from winning three nothing and controlling proceedings uh, to the subs that that you mentioned. It's it's really the a great way to go into it. And so DC United gets to be full strength against a suddenly very, very strong Atlanta team. That's actually kind of playing up to their payroll right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course they, they beat DC United very recently. Uh, so, you know, lots of motivating, lots of bulletin board material for, for Losada, but the team is, might not need it because they're, they're feeling good and they're going to, you know, got some key pieces rested coming in, into this one. So uh, let's get into it. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster dc united head down to georgia this weekend for a visit to mercedes-benz stadium in atlanta united who've won six of seven including that two to one result uh a few weeks ago on buzzard point they've uh rocketed into the playoff spot since then uh or since sending former head coach gabriel heinza packing jay sam jones uh has covered the team for dirty south soccer he uh is also the lucky writer charged with getting yelled at by literally everyone <laughs> for other people's votes on the power rankings at mlssoccer.com you can find his other work there as well and he uh he joins us now sam welcome back to filibuster Man, I turned those notifications off months ago. I ain't seen, I ain't seen shit for months. I tell you what, but so what I'm hearing is definitely yell at Sam when DC United is not as high as they should be in the, play, me, in the power yeah, rankings. Yeah, you can find me at Tom Bogert, T O M B O G E R T on Twitter. Yeah. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I got, I got a good one here. I got, um, I got two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. Just gonna mash it together. And then someone is actively yelling a fruit name from the other room. Um, so basically, basically what you get when that happens, you get LaCroix. So I got a LaCroix on this one. <laughs> All right. That's, it's, it's the good stuff. Which, which fruit is being yelled from the other room? Is it Pomplemousse? <laughs> Pomplemousse. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> the most fun yeah. LaCroix. I've always said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone knows this. It's, it's, it's received wisdom, really. Exactly. Uh, Sam, we had you on the show last year with both of these teams in what can charitably be called a pretty dark place. The vibes right now, though, very different. 
Extremely, extremely. And I was just thinking about that. It was about the same time last year where I was complaining just about how completely got off Atlanta's midfield is. And now that's kind of turned around just a little bit. The entire thing has turned around. Um, Y'all have turned things around in a way that's been very fun to watch because I think that stylistically y'all have changed so much just from an outside perspective. Um, and just from what the numbers are telling me about pressing and everything like that. And uh, Herman Lasada is a dude. I like him a lot. He's he's got some style. He's got some like uh, some fight to him. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan, and I'm a big fan of what Gonzalo Pineda is doing in Atlanta right now as well. This is a, this is a fun one. This is a really fun one. Well, Sam, speaking of fun, we're both we're recording this one night after both of our teams played and uh, won by a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not had time to watch Atlanta's game against Cincinnati yet, so. What happened? I saw the score line. I saw that it was a blowout. I know Cincinnati does that sometimes, but how, how did this come to pass? Uh, Cincinnati rotated, which, I mean, if you're rotating and you're Cincinnati, it's usually a recipe for bad things to happen. Um, the good news for Atlanta fans is that they happened because Atlanta was was forcing these things. This was not just some fluky kind of stuff going out there where there were individual stakes by Cincinnati. Uh, this was Atlanta playing really, really solid an impressive soccer and it's all kind of coming down to you have folks coming in now like Luis Arujo who if you haven't seen his goal yet he, he made against Cincinnati it was phenomenal four guys kind of circling around him he wheels out of it beats another dude on the break and, and just sprints full throttle to the goal before curling one in with his left foot he is a stud for all the DPs that Atlanta United have missed on in the last, I guess, couple of years here and the sort of TAM players they missed on, things like that. He is not one of them. He, he is going to be a star in this league and he's he's older. He just came over from Ligon uh, after winning the championship there. Um, he's going to be around for a while. So people need to get used to the fact that Luis Arruju is, is going to be a force in this. It's uh, maybe Miguel Almiron level impact, quite frankly. That's, a, that's high praise. Yeah, it, it should be scary for everyone else. Uh, the good news is for everyone else, too, for Atlanta, anyway, is uh, the fact that players like Ezekiel Barco are, are suddenly playing extremely, extremely well. We don't know why. I don't know why. I'm writing a story on it. I haven't figured out why. He came back from the Olympics with Argentina a few weeks ago and has just been playing out of his mind ever since. Um, and you have folks like Marcelino Moreno uh, playing well as well. And Joseph is back. Joseph is every bit. A little bit more Joseph every single day, you know, coming back from an ACL tear. It's a scary attack, and you couple that with some really good players throughout the rest of the team as well, and things are looking up. How many times are you going to use the word alchemy in that story? (laughs) At least a few, along with witchcraft, voodoo, and dark arts as well. Uh, We'll figure out, we'll get to the root of this somehow, somehow. Excellent. Um, I want to go back to the last meeting between DC and Atlanta last month. Uh, Atlanta won two to one, uh, as I mentioned earlier. DC United, however, outshot them twenty six to thirteen. They won the expected goals battle, but Marcelino Moreno had been trying this shot on the ground across the grain all night long, and still managed to fool John Kempen on the game winner. Um, I, I, I'm curious what what sticks in your mind about that game. I think anytime when Atlanta is going to play DC the next few years, I'm I'm always going to be thinking about what. Red Bulls have done to Atlanta United as an organization over the last few years. It's kind of deteriorated a little bit as the Red Bulls have gotten away from being an extremely high-pressing team. Uh, But the fact that Atlanta United were able to survive y'all, essentially, and you pointed out the XG numbers, it wasn't exactly, you know, them going out there and 
making their way through easily and doing things easily and being very, very successful, but they were still successful enough in a way they haven't been against really high pressing teams a lot in the past. And and that was extremely encouraging for me. Um, The the thing with Atlanta right now, especially during that time, that was when Rob Valentino had taken over as an interim manager. Um, He kind of, he took the training wheels off, right. And just pushed this team down a mountain and they started going really, really fast and everything was kind of hectic and no one really knew where it was going, but it was working to an extent. Gonzalo Pineda coming in now, I think his kind of idea is to have that team still roll down the mountain, but maybe learn how to steer a little bit. Maybe now we kind of know which direction we're going. Um, so I'm interested to see how he plays this. I really am because he has a number of options. Um, and I think what we'll see is Atlanta United come out in a 4-2-3-1, which they haven't been doing. Uh, they've been kind of stuck in a back three, but what that has done has kind of ruined some of the connectivity between um, back line, midfield, front three, right? So throw an extra midfielder in there, kind of survive on uh, your center back group, who is extremely, extremely talented, and, and maybe make things a little easier for yourself um, in, in possession and creating transition moments against a really high-pressing team. Well, saying about uh, Pineda, um, it's still pretty early. Uh, there's so many games piling up, and yet, like, when you look at the calendar of how much time he's been in charge, it really hasn't been a lot. Um, what What have you seen uh, from him in – I know you, you said, you know, he's trying to add some elements of – some 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 sort of uh, control to the chaos that was there uh, early on. Um, what else have you seen from him trying to install with Atlanta in terms of uh, the bigger picture as as not just him jumping in you know mid season, but like how is this supposed to look down the road? Um, I think he's kind of taking everything into account right now. I think he's taking a lot of variables into it, but I think the biggest thing right now is you go from Gabrielinze who basically defined every single answer for every single situation, right? For every single player, they're on the ball, and this was the next step no matter what. What Pineda has come in and what he said is he wants players to find the answer their own way, right? Like there are different steps. There are different routes they can take to get to the answer. And what's that? what that's done is allowed for a lot of freedom. Um, and for, you know, creative players like Erujo and Moreno and Barca, that's really helped them thrive. Um, as far as a long-term kind of thing with this, I, I'm unsure. I don't know if he knows yet, right? This is still, what, he's, he's three games in at this point. Um, there's no kind of set uh, tactic. There's no kind of set real definition. He just knows he wants to be on the front foot and play essentially what we've come to at least know for some of the years as Atlanta United soccer. It's, it's front thinking. It's uh, lots of possession and making effective use of that possession. But, you know, he came from Seattle and everyone had kind of declared him as like the tactics guy behind all of that success, right, under Brian Spencer. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear him talk about tactics, you immediately understand this is someone, oh, he knows way more about soccer than I do, <laughs> right? And maybe that's the most encouraging part about all of it. So he's going to toy a lot. He's going to tinker a lot. And like I said, I'm really interested to see how he approaches this one. Has he given any hint whether he wants to be – because he was – I think pretty famously, as you said, the tactics tactics guy in Seattle, he was responsible for the the opposition scouting and tailoring the game plan to them. Does he kind of lean into that at this point with Atlanta where he tries to customize the game plan to the opponent? Or is he more just about figuring out who the five stripes are right now and honing that identity? I think he'll go game by game. And it's funny because initially he um, 
came and was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to change anything. We're going to stick with kind of what Rob Valentino has been doing, which was, you know, everyone's like, okay, perfect. It's, it had been going well. And then I, this was the, the game before last, he came out with what he called dual false nines. So we went from, we're not going to mess with anything <laughs> to whatever the hell dual false nines are. And, and it worked perfectly against Orlando. So it was, it, you know, Atlanta United comes out and gets a three, nothing win a nine. So he's willing to tinker. He, he's shown that kind of immediately. Um, I'm interested to see um, if he ever oversteps on that and maybe galaxy brains a little too hard, you know, um, but it hasn't happened yet. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. Are we talking about three false nines? Three false nines. <laughs> when I think about dual false nines, I, I go back to 2013 DC United who had Dwayne De Rosario and Luis Silva leading the line. I should say that is the, 2013 U.S. Open Cup champions and oh, yeah, spoon yeah. winners, Maybe D.C. United. An, an incredible Maybe. team. It's, a, it's quite the precedent is what I'm saying. That, that's, that's some serious duality stuff there. That's really yeah, impressive. Yeah, I'm, wow. yeah, followed Wigan right into that accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, oh, go ahead, Sam. Well, I'm just kind of wondering how y'all are feeling in general about the team. I, I hope y'all are being more optimistic about it. It seems like a, a huge shift, right? Like everything yeah. seems like a huge shift. Yeah, I think a lot of DC United fans are trying to figure out how they feel because I think everyone is smitten with Hernan Losada, to say the least. Like, he's delightful. I don't know if you listened to the call-up this week with Susanna Collins and, and Atlanta's own Jillian Sackwitz, <laughs> but... Um, he was on and, and Julian Gressel was on for the second part and Losada was just delightful. I was cheesing the entire time listening to it. It was just such a wonderful, fun listen. Um, and he's got that off field personality. He's obviously got the style thing, which everyone loves in a manager. And then on the field, it's been great. They've been fun mm-hmm. to watch. They've had an identity. Uh, and there's reason to think that they're actually better than their record even. So uh, I, I am, I think, uh, all in on on this you know i bought all the stock i can afford right now and i think other people are trying to they're they're a little more cautiously optimistic they're they're watching they're paying attention they're they're thinking about it they're putting one foot in the water but they're waiting for the bottom to drop out and i'm just <laughs> throwing caution to the wind i'm jumping in with both feet as someone who lives in georgia and follows georgia sports teams i understand <laughs> that deep-seated <laughs> pessimism for right. sure, but y'all my have wife, so many reasons. My wife's a UGA alum, so I. Uh, oh, perfect! Yeah, <laughs> Golly, it, it always hurts so so much. Um, but no, the, the, when I've been telling Atlanta folks about the, these games with, with DC United, I'm like, okay, these are the ones that are really kind of going to define just how much of a step this team has, has taken. I, I hope y'all consider that a pretty major compliment because yeah. I mean, what y'all are doing is incredible. You kind of handed at it, but I mean third and expected goal differential in the league i mean yeah that's an absurd change from from where it was it really is and it's um you know it's kind of scary you know this is this could be a long-term deal it's it's weird to think that like in the past this game was more like here comes dc winless in like nine or whatever (laughs) and yet somehow and atlanta comes in like on a nine game winning streak and somehow Mm -hmm. dc wins and it's always like 2-1 2-1 like the kicker was always to me that it wasn't <laughs> one nothing and like a fluke it was like they managed to score twice somehow um and now we're in like a completely different position uh but it's still it does kind of feel like a noteworthy game because you've got two teams that are flying up the standings um not the only ones either Bill Hamid even kind of like 
surprised himself by remembering that Miami was also up there. He's like, yeah, Miami's back in the picture. What is this? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it feels like an important game, uh, which given that we've either been very good or terrible, um, and Atlanta has also been either very good or terrible. Um, it's nice that we're like the weather starting to cool off and it's like this game counts. Like it's more than just a three pointer. It actually like has real heft. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is a cool space to be in, I think, for all of I mean, it'll be cooler if if it goes the way we want it to. Um, but <laughs> um it's still nice to even be like able to talk about it like this and not just be like, Okay, Sam, how can our team like just barely survive somehow <laughs> and accidentally win? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, I, I was gonna. I was gonna ask a little about um, uh, someone that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, because obviously there's like fifty something million dollars in that Atlanta attack. Um, but uh, Alan Franco. Uh, I think. I think I saw covering the game last night that he had three assists. Uh, playing center back. <laughs> um, what's what's happening there that one uh it just it just popped into my head a second ago and i was like oh yeah alan franco got three assists and he's definitely not like coming down the right wing and putting in crosses or anything there was active laughter in the press box when this was announced <laughs> i just want y'all to know this um the the Eruzu, uh goal that i was talking about earlier where he took the ball um alan franco had a pass to him <laughs> about <laughs> 10 seconds before Eruzu ran around nice. uh, the entirety of Cincinnati. So that was the first assist. Um, he mm-hmm. had a decent one off a set piece to, to Joseph. And what was the last one? I can't even remember what he did on the last, but I think they almost, I think two of them were secondary assists and the other one was actually pretty legit. So he's not going out there and turning into, you know, um, any estimate. Andy point, Nahar. But yeah. Andy Nahar, exactly. <laughs> he's not quite there. He genuinely probably isn't, um, which is upsetting considering how much Atlanta paid for him. Um, but Atlanta center back group is very, very good. Um, they, they really have been playing well. Um, and I'm interested to see how they kind of handle uh, a team like DC United um, with someone who has, or someone in Julian Gressel who can really, really play a good ball from the wing and, and make them run with their, their backs towards everything. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, no, he maybe maybe not an incredible passer. Um, he may pass it to y'all a couple of times, actually. He, okay. does, he does a fun thing where he likes to, be good at soccer and then forget what team he's on at least once a game. Um, so look out for that. As a high pressing team, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to start, honestly. I, I'm interested to see. We, we know Miles Robinson, obviously, yeah, um, but sure. there are other options there as well. Anton Walks and George Campbell have both been very good as well. Uh, Jason mentioned the weather earlier, and anytime I've come across Atlanta United Twitter the last few weeks, it's been people calling to close the roof at the bends so what's it going to be is it going to be is the oculus going to be open on saturday i'm kind of i really hope it is and i hope it rains i've been wanting it to (laughs) rain inside the little hole for so so long just to have one section of the field just be a downpour as they run through it i think it'd be amazing um they've been opening that up for in theory covid reasons um, just for ventilation stuff and things like that. But it does lead to some hilarious moments where like one section of the state in particular is just getting roasted in the sun. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's why people are like, close the roof, please, so we don't bake. But, uh, you know, if it's going to be rainy, that leave it open. Let's do it. Come on. I'm here for it. Uh, last question before we get you out of here. If you found yourself in Hernan Losada's very stylish jacket, 
across from Gonzalo Pineda. I want one and I I don't support DC United. I I got one. I I sold out. You have to. Yeah, I got it. You got to throw in, Adam, that uh, he mentioned this because I asked about his shoes because uh, I'm using the press conference for my own personal uh, style preferences. Um, Mm -hmm. But he he mentioned that he was trying to match his white shoes last night with the white polo that he also wore against TFC and that he's superstitious and uh, the shirt gives him a good feeling. So um, maybe this is not just about the jacket, but about the polo. Yeah. I sit across the stadium from the bench uh, and I saw the shoes and the polo and they were bright. They were very bright on Wednesday. (laughs) We'll see what he, what he wears down there. But, but Sam, assuming you're not distracted by Losada's clothes, if you, were his assistant, you were advising him across from Gonzalo Pineda, what would you be focusing on to game plan against Atlanta United? I think your triggers are, are going to be when the ball gets to folks uh, like Mateo Sassetu, um, who has been good and better than expected in possession, but is definitely not a first-choice midfielder for Atlanta United. They've had a lot of um, a lot of injuries at that position. Um, they will have St. Sosa back. He missed Wednesday because of a yellow card. But when the ball gets to those two guys um, and they're trying to get it to those attackers, I we watched LAFC really, really press hard um, on Hosetsu. And so, so Hosetsu, especially when he kind of got towards uh, the touchline, and that was the clear trigger for the press. I imagine they'll do something very, very similar to try and, and you know, keep him in check for one, but also keep him passing the ball backwards and create turnovers, things like that. I think that's maybe the biggest thing they'll key on and something to kind of watch for as the game goes on. All right. We'll see if the black and red can do that Saturday, three 30, watch it on Univision, 2DNA and Twitter. Uh, one of these things is not like the others. Uh, <laughs> Sam Jones, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, online, I'm at, in real life. Right, right. Please don't find me in real life. Um, I'm at J underscore Sam Jones on Twitter. Of course, you can check myself out on MLSsoccer.com, aka the mothership. I do the power rankings. I do some other stuff around there as well. Hopefully some features coming there soon as well. Uh, and check out the newsletter I do for the mothership every single day of my life until I die. <laughs> it's called the Daily Kickoff. You can go to MLSsoccer.com slash newsletters to subscribe to that. It is a good newsletter. You should subscribe. the The watchability rankings of of each game is ah, yes, totally objective, <laughs> except for the parts where it's subjective. I love it, <laughs> as everything should be. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, find us, of course, at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster, or you can email filibusterpodcast at gmail.com with an advertising inquiry. We would love to take your money and talk about your product. Of course, we would. Uh, Find us on Twitter at Black and Red U, at Filibuster DCU. Download, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. That's about the nicest thing you can do for us. Uh, for Jason and the absent Ben, and thanking Sam Jones one more time, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. No body horror this time, people. <laughs>